Look, I want you to, if you have your actual Bibles, phones, scroll, tap, flip, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 9 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. And just a little context, the book of Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's part of the Torah, the Pentateuch, and in some cases it's been called the book of Moses. And that name means second law or repeated law. And, and at this stage of the game, we see Moses with the Israelites about to cross the Jordan to get to the promised land. Amen. And so we're going to go there, uh, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James. And it says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your sons and your grandsons, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Today I want to preach from the subject, more of a question, are you committed? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for today, Father God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for ears to hear, Father God. We thank you for hearts to be open. And even as I decrease in this moment, Father God, allow your spirit to increase and take over this service, Father. He's already here. And allow him to man manifest himself even greater in this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so when I started to look at chapter 6 in the New Living Translation, this actual piece of scripture is called a call for wholehearted commitment. In the Amplified, it says, obey God and prosper. But in most texts, in, the, in, in what we read from the New King James, it's referred to as the greatest commandment. And, and these words really, again, encapsulate what we're going to focus on today. But as I began to linger and repeat this scripture over and over and over again, this is the commandment, the rules, the regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to possess. And the more I read it, the more it reminded me of something that I experienced. And it was about, oh, I don't know, 22 years ago when I got this. Now, I turned it around because I don't want you to see the picture, but this is my driver's license. This is the, 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 the about to come, the promised land when you're 17. This is it, right? How many people remember when you got your driver's For those that have them, legally. Don't put your hand. You know, I know you don't have one yet. No, no, no. But if you got it, you remember the joy of the Lord that came upon you when you got the license, right? And for me, it was going from the baby seat in the back seat to the, to the, the uh, I don't even know what it's called because I don't have kids that young. The, the toddler seats, what, I, what are they, the booster seat, there you see, I don't even know. 
going from the back seat. Somebody said, I didn't even have them back there. Oh, wow. Like, back seat to the, to the uh, side seat, right? Shotgun. And for me, if you could throw that picture up, uh, Julian, it, it meant I, I got to go from, nope, that, not that one. Not that one. That one's coming. That. I got to get off that. That means I don't have to ride this no more. And now I get to go ride this. Where, where's the other one at? Yeah. That was the car I got to drive. And I was excited. How many know your excitement for parents? You don't know, we always can't meet your excitement as parents. And so when I came with, with, the, with the papers, right, I had it. And it was like, hey, I, need, I want to use the car. And it wasn't like, hey, here you go, here go the keys. It was like, wait, 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 wait. I need you to put your seatbelt on. I need you to slow down. I need you to make sure you do what you're supposed to do. Follow the signs, don't speed, don't do. Wait a minute. So you met my excitement with what's about to come with rules and regulations. That, that's, not, that's not how I expected it to go. That's not because you're supposed to be excited for me because I have access now. I don't have to ride the bus anymore. I, I get to ride this. I get to go to school in this. I don't get to step off the bus. I get to ride in this. But it was like, wait, 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 wait. Before you go, before you get there, there's some rules and regulations and standards that you have to follow. So how many think I followed the standards when I got the keys? I, I did for the most part. I, I did. But there was one particular time, and I'm, I hope my mom isn't watching because she don't know this, but I'm about to tell on myself a little bit. But there was one day I was coming home in the driver's seat, driving. I'm rolling. And how many think that car goes pretty fast? That's what I, that's what I thought, too. I, I said the speed limit was 65, but I said, wait a minute, the, the, the dashboard says 160. Well, why would they make cars go that fast if, like, that don't make sense to me. And it, does it, it see in the back, it don't make no sense, right? It makes no sense. So here I am on the, on the straightest of straightaways, on the expressway in Chicago. Yeah. And, and while the speed limit said 65, I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I, I debated on should I tell you the speed or how much over and let you do the math. Because when I say the speed, it, you, you're going to step back. But if I just say I was 45 miles over the speed limit, just once, I see the eyes. I, I see it. I feel it. I thought I was Jeff Gordon or somebody. I thought it was not. I said, it's a straightaway. I mean, why not test the car? Why not? Why not test the blessing? Let's see. No, I didn't hear the sirens that night. Thank God. I, I did not. Because I probably wouldn't have this anymore if I if, if, uh, did that. But again, the curiosity of what, what to go against the rules is very present in everything we do. And even in that moment, I saw the 65, but I said, wait a minute, this thing you've given me, this 3,000-pound vehicle has the potential to do more. And my foot's on the gas, and I want to test it. I want to I put it down. And so when I did it, all did it feel good, but it wasn't right. Because, see, I went against the first thing. Hear the commandment. That was the first thing my excitement was met, met with. And, and literally in that moment, 
I had to challenge it. Now let's fast forward to a few years ago when our oldest got her license. Yes, you heard the woo, like, yeah. It's different on the other side. I'm just trying to tell you it's different. And I remember when she came with her access, she came with it and said, I need to use the car. <sighs> Slow down, seatbelt, don't do this. Turn the music down. Don't, don't have all your friends in the car. Don't do... And for about a split second, I said, that sounds real familiar to me. Because see, when, as time goes on, you realize those standards and regulations actually mean something. And, and when we look at, even in this scripture, Moses was coming with such reverence of the law. This is a generation that didn't get the original. He didn't, he, so they, he had to repeat to them, hey, I know you're about to cross into, but before you go, I need to know, are you committed? Not to the land, because see, it's easy to commit to where you're going. It's easy to commit to the house. It's easy to commit to the job and the car and the people and the relationships. But I need to know, are you committed to these standards, these commandments? And that's what Moses is trying to get into the Israelites. And that's what I feel God is telling us today is, are you committed to the laws, the regulations, and the standards which I've set before you? Because I have something for you. Pastor Jeremiah said it. God wants to put something in your hand, whatever that looks like. So what's to come? But are you committed to the law? And I know that's hard, like we, we don't want to hear that, right? Going back to 16-year-old me, I don't, I don't want to hear the law. I mean, I know it, right? I know. And that was the reaction of our 20-year-old. I know. Okay. So the next, next, as soon as you pull in the driveway, what do I hear? All the music. But I told you to turn it down. Because how can you really focus on where you're going if the music is so loud? And, and which really don't make no sense, you in the driveway. You ain't going nowhere. You home. You in the neighborhood. I know for me, it was when I hit the neighborhood block, the music went down. Because out of respect for the neighborhood. But you still want to hear the last lyric of the song. It don't make no sense. Because the thing is, we cannot allow our excitement to outweigh our hearing of the rules and regulations. And even if we go into verse 2, and it says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you and your son and your grandsons all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. And we read that in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And see, this verse teaches that God is the foundation to wisdom. But if it's also to fear God first, to get the wisdom, do you really fear him? Because, see, that's part of the commitment. You have to understand what fear means. And, and we see this word fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. It comes many times in Scripture. And, and it means several things. It could mean terror, like actually fear and fright in Deuteronomy 2.25. This day I will begin to put other dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you 
Fear the Lord can mean respect in a way that a servant fears his master and serves him rightfully. Joshua 24, 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Fear can also mean a reverence or an awe of a person of greatness. Isaiah 6, 5, And I said, Woe is for me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And if we combine all of those things, we can literally summarize the fear of the Lord and say a continual awareness that God, someone much larger than us, much more powerful than us, is evaluating and watching everything we think, say, and do. And, 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 and so you hear that and it's interesting because we'll be like, okay, God is watching us, amen. But then it's like, God is watching us, oh. So I'ma have to, we, he saw the 105 speed limit on, ooh, he saw that, he saw that. Yeah, he, he saw that, yeah. And it's a recognition of who he is. That's what fear the Lord is. We recognize his authority and reverence and power. And it's the continual awareness of him, the deep reverence for him that allows us to commit to obey. And when I was thinking about this, I, again, I, I see things in analogies. And so when I thought of like the fear of the Lord, this is, this is what I thought of. Literally, this is what I thought of. You throw it on the screen for me, that next picture. Oh, not the bus again. That's fearful too. But you might recognize this next one. Um, it, it's actually a TV show that I think most of us used to watch. And, it, and, and I immediately thought of Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Think about when you watched Fresh Prince, right? If you, how many people know Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? I know some of the younger ones, so Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was a TV show in the 90s. Um, the night or the 1900s as they call them now, but it was a TV show about a family. The nephew went to stay with the uncle, and when you saw Uncle Phil, he was this reverence, big, just you. You didn't mess with Uncle Phil. How many people know? Yeah, you. It it would be sometimes I would do something, and Uncle Phil would say it. I'm like, how did he know? How how does he know? And when you even think about when Will would do something, Will was met with the reverence, right? Because it was like, okay, here's this kid coming to stay with me and he's up to no good, so I have to be the authority. And as much as Will bucked, and, and, and look at that face. That right there, that was, that was like, I think that was like the first episode. That first 20 minutes in, into the series, he got that look. And if you watched the series, you knew that look. Will would do something silly, and there was Uncle Phil. But what's interesting about that is there was such an authority and reverence for Uncle Phil that it, didn't, it only happened when Will established relationship with Uncle Phil, that he not only understood the love, but he understood the law. Because if you watch the series, it started to chisel away at Will. He still did silly stuff. But Uncle Phil was a little more, the love didn't change and neither did the law. And even now, I was talking to somebody earlier and the very last episode, Uncle Phil said, Will, you are my son. See, somebody know. 
He went from a nephew outside of the family to the son inside the family, not because he just understood the law, but he also had the love to go with it. Because sometimes, see, and, and this is when, I, when I read this, I feel like Moses was just so frustrated because he's seeing them go back and forth, back and forth, just ebbing and flowing. Okay, God, we here. All right, you're taking too long. I'm going to go over here. And all I'm going to do, and it's just this never ending. And so I, and Moses was 120. I mean, Moses, he too old for that. Like, it's, it's just too much. It, I'm 38, and I say, I'm, just, I'm too old for that. Like, I, honestly. And there was just something about that whole experience that he was just like, you know what? Y'all need to get this right before you go over there. Because when you get over there, it, it, it's a whole lot over there. Now, I'm going to remove a lot of it, but it's still a whole lot. And you're going to fall back into some things that the generation before you didn't get. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit too, but I want to touch on like the link between fear of God and wisdom. It doesn't mean we can't um, possess wisdom if we recreate God. Because see, when you look at culture today, we want to recreate what the law looks like. We want to add to it. We want to take it away. We want to shrink it down. And we want to literally say, well, now Jesus loves us, but Jesus also fulfilled the law. I did research, there were 613 commandments in the Old Testament, the more 613, and Jesus Christ fulfilled them all. Even in Matthew, he, they asked him the greatest commandment, and he says exactly what, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Because, see, too many people, and I, and I really feel culturally why they shy away from Christianity is because I hear all the laws. Well, you're not listening to Jesus. You're so focused on the law. You're so focused on what you can't do and what you have to say and what you're supposed to look like that you're not focused on the one and true Savior of humanity. And that's Jesus. We have to see that. And even because we, we, we'll gloss over everything else and just focus on milk and honey. And see, I didn't have a whole lot to talk about verse 3 because quite honestly, we spent enough time on verse 3. We all know milk and honey. We all see what's to come. We all excited about that. But we have to know the law. We have to understand the law. And, and, and even moving into verse 4, it says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And when you hear one, a lot of the research that I, that I looked at, it, it's, a, it's actually a topic of debate in Jewish culture. What does that one mean? Well, Jesus is God and Holy Spirit. This is a triune. It's, so it can, see, in Hebrew, one is unity. Perfect example is marriage. The husband and wife become one. We are not one person. We are unity in one. And, and really what they're focused on, because again, there were, so, there were so many other gods back then. So many other idols and things that people worship, just like today. It's funny how the world doesn't fall too far from the Bible. It, it, don't, it, it don't go that far. What do we worship today? People, jobs. 
titles, anything you can think of. But the thing that, that a small group of people understood is that there is one true living God. The God that literally created heaven and earth, the sun and the moon, there is one God. And he is the God. Because all other gods pale in comparison to him. And you don't understand that until you fully get the law. And you fully understand what God is trying to tell these people. Because he's, God literally later on, and we're going to get into it, he predicts it. They're going to mess up. Like, I read through Deuteronomy, and you go from this moment to the whole thing where Moses is laying out law after law after law after standard. After, you would think at that point, it would sink in. But even after all that, he still said, they ain't going to listen. I'm going to turn away from them. They're not going to listen. And why is that? Why is that? Because when we get to the point of, of loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength, honestly, in our human nature, that's impossible. Think about it. We're going to love God with everything we have. Everything? Who does that? I'm, I'm waiting. One, anybody? You love God with everything you have. Everything. Your heart, soul, strength. We're not even talking about sin yet. Just our nature alone can't meet that goal. Alone. That is the power of God. That is the true and, and utter just amazement of him that he would sit here and give us something. And what I found, like, even in Jewish culture... Verses 4 and 5 is something called the Shema. And they literally recite this every day. Twice a day. Love the Lord God with all your... They literally tell themselves this every day and still don't get it. Later on, we're going to see that... God, uh, we, we read that they have to take things and put posts and things. We read it earlier. They have to put the word, put the Shema everywhere so they see it. And they still don't get it. And it's funny, we have such an eagerness to go give out our all to everything. I was thinking the word committed and, and looking at sports when somebody commits to a university. If somebody says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to play basketball at ORU. I'm, a, I'm fully committed to doing that. They can't go to OU. They can't play on Monday night at Oral Roberts. And then on Tuesday, go practice at OU. Because see, once you're committed, you got to give it your all. You, everything you wear, everything you do is O-R-U. Everything you do for God is him. But there's something that blocks us. There's something that restricts that fullness and totality for us to do it. And, and, and even when we look at the prayer, again, we mentioned it earlier. When, when this was brought to Jesus, because Shema, the word is hear or listen. And so I want to give you an example when it comes to hearing or listening. If I were to say right now, stand up. Nobody stood up. Did you hear me? You heard me, right? But nobody moved. So you're just hearing me. This section moved. I, I saw a couple stand up. I, yeah, we, I'm taking notes. You get gold star. Y'all stood up. But, but the ones that didn't stand up proved my point. Because that's how we do with God's word. 
I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. God said move. I don't want to. God said stay. Well, it's time to go. God said shut your mouth. You know what? I need to say... Because, see, you just, you just heard the word, but you didn't listen. You didn't shema. Because, see, the other interesting thing when it comes to listening, not just hearing, listening also includes obedience. And here's the crazy part. There's no Hebrew word for obey. It's shema. It means listen and obey. So when, that, so when this says hear, O Israel, this means hear and obey. So if you say you heard, did you obey? Because God has been telling you some things, and, and even in Ignite Church Tulsa, wherever you are, if you're watching online, God has been telling you some things, because what I have learned in my life, God does not stop speaking. We just don't listen. We're too busy hearing what we want to hear. We're too busy allowing culture and everything else to tell us exactly what we want to hear except the theme. Because, see, again, I was excited about this. And I didn't want to hear speed limit. I didn't, I, I've seen it. It's wild as you go through life and you start to see things unfold. I've seen serious car accidents. I've seen so many, even at a young age, the house behind our house, there was a car accident. The car went, did the same thing I did, speeding down the straightaway. Lost control, the car flipped three times. He didn't have his seatbelt on. See, he can be deadly when you don't listen. But see, we don't worry about that because we're too excited about the promised land. That's why, again, that's why I'm not spending all the time on milk and honey. You know that part. You, we can, because we've been, we've been dreaming and visioning and seeing and doing all that about the promised land, about what's to come. But do you have the law with you? Are you, are you really, truly listening and obeying to what God has been telling you? And what's interesting, and even going back to the example, what makes, easy, what makes it easier to, to, to mesh the two? is relationship. So let's talk about salvation for a minute. Because see, the, the, the real problem isn't salvation. A lot of people don't want to be saved. They don't want to obey. Because see, it's the relationship that changes you. It's the relationship with him that changes your perspective. See, most people think, oh, I got saved, I'm changed. No, you, you're just saved. You, I like to say you punched a ticket. That's all you did. You punched a ticket, and it's the greatest ticket you can punch. Don't get it twisted. It's the greatest thing that you can do, the greatest decision you can make. But if you stop there, don't get mad at God because you're the one that didn't want to. How many people are in a relationship of any kind? Any Marriage, friendship, everybody got a relationship, right? Right, you're like, yeah, yeah I got a relationship. Do you trust that relationship? Why? Why? Because you got to know them. It, you know, when you get married, right, the greatest moment is the ladies. What's the greatest moment? No. Oh, okay. Yes, but, <laughs> yes, 
But before that, <laughs> the greatest moment is the wedding. Think about that. You spend all day long planning about the wedding. You spend all the money planning on the wedding. Do you, have you ever seen a wedding where the person said, they both said, I do, and said, I'll see you never? Because you don't stop at the wedding. There's a marriage to be done. So there's relationship to be built. And quite honestly, the only thing God really wants from you is relationship. See, you think he wants the Instagram post. He wants the selfie at church. He wants all of those things. He wants your money. That ain't what he wants. Because that's cute. That's cute. That ain't, that's not what he wants. And even when you think of the Israelites, right? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Jewish culture. The, putting, the word on the, putting the word in the frontlets of their eyes, right? Let me just take the scripture. Let me take the Shema and let me put it all. Let me do this. Let me just, you know what? Because I need to wear it because the word said I need to wear it on my hand. That's what I need to do. Look at me. Look at me. I, I'm, I'm following the Lord. I posted it on social media. It's hanging up in my house. I got John 3.16 on the scripture in somewhere. My, here's my bio, right? Here it is. Everybody can see. But that's just for show. That, that has nothing to do with relationship. Like, what does God really think? I, I made, I, I did 10 posts today, Lord. Really? Okay. Okay. But do you know me? Because what I know is this is all cool and it shows knowledge, but does it show wisdom? You heard the word. So if I say a scripture, right, you heard, John, you heard Deuteronomy 6, 4, 6, 5, so you can write it down. That's cool. But did it get here? Is it on the inside of you? Are you walking with, because here's the thing, if, if I put these back on, the second I walk out into the world, what is that? Oh, that, that don't make no sense. We got another God over here, and he way better than yours. Matter of fact, he looks better. You got a little more money over here, because that's what culture says, right? So when you step out on the world, see, I got it, I got it, but wait. That looks good over there. But I'm supposed to... I... Okay, you know what? I'm going to just put that right there for just a minute. And I'm going to just, I'll come back to that. And that's all you see with the Israelites. I come back to it. I'll get back to it. Because God's there, right? I mean, he ain't going nowhere. I'll be back. Because, see, you took the grace for granted. See, that's, you don't want to hear that. Because you took the grace like a coat and you just hung it up when you were ready for it and then you put it on when, you were, when times got hard, you put it on. What, what does God think? What kind of level of commitment is that? Like, I, I remember I was in the military for eight years. You talk about a commitment? The craziest thing they would say in basic training is the fastest way to get out of here is to do what you're told. Because I watch people do silly stuff, get in trouble, fraternize, do all this stuff. And the craziest thing about it, they didn't kick them out. 
They let them stay in. They took their money. They took their rank. But unless you did something real bad, you was right here next to me. And I had a buddy. He was right here doing, doing the dummy. And, he, and I, every day, he right here. I'm like, you still? They ain't got rid of, like, God doesn't get rid of you either. We put him up. Because, see, there's, again, there's a disconnect when it comes to, mm, there's a disconnect when we hear something to our heart. When you hear the phrase, if somebody told you, I love you, where did it go? Where did it go? Here to here. You felt that here, right? It, it, it didn't, you didn't take time to process it. You didn't take time to wonder how did, did it go here first? I mean, unless they, you know, unless that's one of them relationships. You might think about, did they really mean it? But if you think about it, if it's somebody like a mother or a father or a child, think about telling your children, I love you. Even at a young age, where does it go? Right here. You don't walk around with signs and say, I love Johnny. I love my kid. And see, the funny part about why people love to do this so much is because everybody can see it. And see, the problem with putting the word of God in your heart is I can't see it unless you show it. So you have to love somebody. You can't judge the world for what they do. Because, see, that's the problem with, with Christianity today. We're too busy judging and, com and condemning. We forgot Jesus will fulfill the law. And so rather than, than just love people, and, and let me get one thing out there. Love doesn't mean I accept what you did wrong. Love means I love you in spite of what you do. Because didn't he do it for you? It's funny how we forget so quick what he did for us and we won't do it for everybody else. Because I thought that was the goal. I thought the goal was once we get it on the inside of us, it has to be opened up to show. And we have to show people the love of God. Because they, the world don't care about your sticky notes. They don't care about your post. They don't care about what you're doing and how you're wearing it. You got a John 3.16 jacket. You got, they don't care about all that. They're only going to judge you by your actions. And even as I shift to close, I want you to think about Deuteronomy 6. Because quite honestly, we, we talked about it. The entire, book of Moses, the entire book of Deuteronomy, Moses lays it out for them. I know where you're going. This is what you have to do. And oh, here's what happens if you do it. And here's what happens if you don't. Sounds like a blueprint to me. And I want to go to chapter 30, Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. And Moses summarizes and ultimately shows again their option. He says, this commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. And this, this, this scripture got me. He says, it's not, and I'm reading from the message version. He says, it's not out of your reach. So the commandments we just went through are not out of your reach. He says, you don't have, it's not high on a mountain that you have to go get mountaineers to climb it and climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. It's not so far away across the ocean you don't have to send sailors to get it and bring it back and then explain it 
before you can live it. And I love this part. It says, the, the word is right here and now. And get this, it's as near as the tongue in your mouth. It's as near as the heart in your chest. So we think it's all the way out there. And I need somebody to go get that for me and bring it to me and explain to me the law. And he says, well, if you did it right, it's that close. And you're speaking it, so it's this close. Think about how close the tongue is to your mouth. It's in it. Think about how close the heart is to your chest. It's in it. You know the beauty about the heart? You can't even see it. But you know it's there. I don't need to prove to you my heart is in my chest. If you put your hand right, if you put your two fingers right here, you can prove it. You can appreciate it. You can leave it right there, Bob. You can appreciate it. It's right here if you feel it. Go and put, put, your, put your two fingers right here. What is that? That's your pulse. What does that mean? Which means you have a what? Oh, is that close? Are you talking right now? Are you hearing me? If you said something, you have a tongue in your mouth. That's how close it is. He says, look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good death and evil. Verse 16, and I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commands, regulations, and rules so that you live, really live. Live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, Refuse to listen obediently and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So think about that promised land, that what's to come, and your disobedience won't allow you to last long there. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live and love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. Oh, yes, he is life itself. A long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What are you about to walk into that was promised to somebody before you? And I want to touch again, verse 12 to 14, again, it's so close. It's here and now, right? It, so why can't we follow it? I speak it, and there it is. But what's the disconnect? And we don't have to go very far to find that. Even in Deuteronomy 36, Moses said, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all you should and live. And I love the message translation. It says, God, your God will cut away 
the thick calluses on your heart and the hearts of your, in your children's hearts. Get this, freeing you to love God, your God, with all your heart and soul and live, really live. Because see, the thing that prevents us from fully loving him is the callous in our heart. And you think, well, where did the callous come from? Where did, oh my God, why do I get rid of it, right? Think about it this way. And it's something that, uh, and if you're in healthcare, you'll, you'll get this terminology. But there was a, about six years ago, there was a, a phrase we kept hearing over and over again, pre-existing conditions. Which means in, in healthcare in the US, it's a condition that existed before your insurance. So think about the pre-existing condition of humanity before the insurance. Because see, even in Deuteronomy, Moses, God told Moses, they're not going to listen. 31.16 says, you're about to die and join your ancestors. And after you're gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods, the gods of the land where they are going. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Why does God know that? Because he knows the pre-existing condition of our heart. You know, it's funny when we have something wrong with us, and I'm going to invite the band and, and everybody to come up here. We, we won't trust the very person who made where the issue is. Did God not make our heart? And he's telling us, hey, y'all got a pre-existing condition and I'm trying to help you. And it won't matter about the promised land. It won't, because you won't last there long. And honestly, when I think about it, and again, health, health professionals, if you're in the room, let me know if I'm wrong, but if, is, is it me or is health or heart surgery the most delicate surgery to get? It is literally the most delicate because I'm going to the most inner part of what operates your entire being. But do you know, even for surgery, you gotta lay on the table first. Because now you gotta not only lay on the table, but you have to trust. Because see, we wanna commit to the promised land, but he wants you to commit to the table first. He wants you to commit to the surgeon. Because you'll get to the promised land hitting wall after wall after wall and all the blessings of the Lord that he has for you won't get to your heart and you really won't experience them. Unless you allow yourself to be operated on. Literally, God has everything for you. Literally, in the palm of his hand. And he sees you want it. And he wants to give it to you. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you committed? Are you committed to him to allow him?